Broadcasting live from an undisclosed location in the western foothills, you're listening to Open Ears, Maine. We want to hear your pandemic stories. To call in, dial area code 515-602-9747. That's 515-602-9747. The phone lines are now open. Ladies and gentlemen, the chief hope of our enemies is to divide the United States along racial and religious lines and thereby conquer us. Let's not spread prejudice. A divided America is a weak America. Through our behavior, we encourage the respect of our children and make them better neighbors to all races and religions. Remind them that being good neighbors has helped make our country great and kept her free. Thank you. Welcome to Episode 6 of Open Ears, Maine. It is Thursday. April 30th, 2020, another cloudy and cool and windy spring day here in Maine. Yesterday's almost summer-like weather, though, I think, is going to be a preview of the warmth and sun that's on the way. I'm your host, Crashberry, editor-at-large for Mainer, the magazine and website at MainerNews.com. If you enjoy true crime podcasts, be sure to check out Devils and Dirtbags, my 13-part investigation of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Springfield, Massachusetts. You can check that out via devilsanddirtbags.com or wherever you download. On today's show, we're going to speak with the owners of Black Hen Studio. That's a tattoo shop and gallery in South Portland, and we'll learn how they view the state's designation of their business as Stage 3, meaning they won't be reopening until July or August. Also in that category are body piercers, bars, uh, spas, massage therapists, and activities like schooner voyages and other boat rides. Also joining us later in the program today is a Portland-area barber who held a special secret uh, speakeasy last weekend. We'll hear if he's ready to go back to work, provided he can find all the gear necessary to meet the state's reopening checklist that allows haircutters to reopen their doors tomorrow, May 1st. According to the Maine CDC, there's been 1,095 confirmed cases of COVID-19 in Maine, and 53 Mainers have died from the virus, while 631 have recovered. The outbreak is hitting healthcare workers the hardest, along with residents at nursing homes and assisted living facilities across the state. Also, at the Tyson Food Plant in Portland, at least 10 employees have tested positive for coronavirus. Uh, That food factory, formerly known as Barber Foods, produces frozen chicken entrees like chicken cordon bleu. And according to state officials, Tyson has agreed to test the entire 400-person workforce 
and, perhaps, even shutting down temporarily for deep cleaning of the facility. No word on if that's actually happened as of yet. And tomorrow, May 1st, Mainers will be required to wear face coverings in places where, quote, physical distancing measures are difficult, end quote. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean a mask, but it could be a scarf or a bandana or some other fabric contraption. Very odd times we're living in. Also tomorrow, Maine's self-employed workers, the sole proprietors, the artists, fishermen, and farmers will be able to apply for pandemic unemployment assistance which is a federal program for workers who normally wouldn't qualify for unemployment compensation. Apparently, the maximum payment from the Pandemic Unemployment Assistance Program is just $445 per week. However, you'll get $600 in additional weekly benefits from the Federal Pandemic Unemployment Compensation Fund. In other unemployment news... Last week, about 7,400 more Mainers filed for benefits. That means about 109,000 Mainers have filed in connection to the pandemic. Coming up, two Maine tattoo artists discuss the pandemic's impact on their industry. Have you heard the buzz about West Nile virus? Protect yourself and your family from the mosquito bites that spread the virus. Use mosquito repellents when you go outside. When possible, wear long-sleeved shirts and pants. Remove standing water where mosquitoes breathe. Most people who get West Nile virus don't feel sick, but it may cause serious illness. Bite the bite. Tell mosquitoes to buzz off. United States, West Nile virus has spread from coast to coast. It affects the old, the young, and everyone in between. It's still a risk for serious disease. Your best defense against mosquito-borne viruses and other insect-borne disease is simply being prepared. Keep an effective insect repellent close by, convenient and ready for use. Keep it close and help fight the bite. Welcome back to Open Ears, Maine. Joining us now are Danny Maydor and Carrie Vignette, the owners of Black Hen Studio, a tattoo shop and gallery located on Ocean Street, down South Portland. First of all, what were your thoughts when you heard that Governor Janet Mills placed, quote, tattoo and piercing parlors, unquote, in the stage three group of businesses to reopen. It was disappointing. Um, it was surprising to see us grouped in with bars and massage parlors and not grouped in with, you know, hair salons, nail salons, things like that. Um, it was a little insulting, honestly. It felt like, you know, people in the state who are making these decisions, um, just basically are out of touch with what we do, who we are, um, you know, the fact that 
we take a great amount of pride in keeping our shop spotless, super sanitary, really very safe environment. And out of most occupations, I feel like we're actually pretty well trained and well prepared to be dealing with something like this. Um, We're already very well versed in the idea of cross-contamination, practicing aseptic technique, all of that. It was definitely disappointing. Um, It's not that, honestly, I'm in any rush to get back to work um, just because of the amount of preparedness that needs to happen. And obviously, you know, we care about our community, our clients, um, and honestly, our own health. So, yeah, those were kind of my first initial sort of knee-jerk thoughts on the matter. And that's Carrie speaking right now. Carrie, I'm also wondering if you think maybe... There's some prejudice involved in this. A tattoo parlor seems like the old-fashioned parlance when it's like sailors and criminals were the only ones that had ink. Uh, Is there prejudice against tattooing still? I I think that it still exists out there, and especially when, you know, such antiquated terminology is is being used to describe um, our places of business. That feels a a little weird. I feel like it kind of smacks of a a bit of judgment there most definitely yeah it is upsetting because I feel again like we've kind of fought really hard to be looked upon as respectable establishments um you know it's not the (laughs) it's not the seedy underbelly anymore Danielle and I we tattoo clients from like literally every walk of life, doctors, lawyers, whatever, uh, stay-at-home moms to, you know, 18-year-old art school kids. So, yeah, I think there's still a little bit of judgment and, and prejudice out there. And it's, again, it's just really disappointing to, to see that and disappointing to see that it's influencing our livelihood, basically. Sounds like Governor Janet Mills uh, needs to get some ink therapy here in order to understand what's happening. Perhaps. There are over 200 licensed uh, tattoo studios in Maine. So obviously it's a, it's a pretty big part of the local economy. Uh, Do people come to Maine specifically to get tattooed? Carrie and I both have people who come from out of state um, and where we used to work um, before same uh we had lots of people coming from away and making a day of it or a weekend or whatever so yeah <laughs> so there there is an economic impact beyond just income tax of the tattoo artists there are fees generated for the state there's the ancillary economic impact of people coming but also you guys are there are a lot of tattoo parlors as to quote the governor in the state of maine mm-hmm. now i mean 200 seems like a lot of ink as Carrie mentioned, compared to other professions in the service sector, you guys are probably a lot more aware of the dangers of infection. What kind of training do tattoo artists get in terms of disease prevention? We do have to maintain a license that we have to renew every year. And uh, we have inspections um, that we have to um, go through. Uh, periodically and and we have to show that we've received training in tattoo specific bloodborne pathogen knowledge so that's that's something that we have to keep updated so we're very familiar in that with that 
this situation's different. I don't think anyone is well-trained in airborne pathogens. But if we can talk about yeah. the bloodborne pathogens, that's, would that be like hepatitis and HIV? Right. The, the, you're very yep. aware of those uh, viruses and hepatitis. So I imagine the cleaning. Could you talk about the cleaning and sterilization you do? I would say that, I mean, hepatitis is, is kind of the, the big, you know, monster of them all. So basically, if you can if you can kill that and keep that under control, then that's you know, kind of what you judge everything else by. Um, so, you know, you want to make sure that you're not cross-contaminating anything, that you're wiping down surfaces with basically hospital-grade disinfectant. If we have our space set up and ready to go for a client, obviously we've prepared it beforehand. As soon as we're done with that client, everything is meticulously broken down wiped off all disposables are thrown away that's that's kind of i would say the basics of it is just again making sure that everything is wiped down disinfected at our shop we use disposables so it's just one time use that is that danielle i'm sure you can kind of add to that it's so funny trying to think of it in in my head like exactly <laughs> what we do because it's so like routine we do it like it's so times. every day yeah, All like it's time. really funny to actually think of like trying to break that down to explain it yeah. like to somebody else. I guess I'll say, you know, it's interesting walking around the world right now. I feel very familiar with how all of this works, you know, wearing the gloves, touching mm-hmm. things, taking the glove off so I can use my credit card, you know, um, using the gloved hand to punch in my pin number, you know. Yeah, it's that, yeah dirty, very, dirty it's hand, like clean hand. Yeah, yeah, you have a dirty hand, clean <laughs> hand. So yeah. you guys were well versed in this uh, pre-pandemic, and when you mentioned the gloves, uh, so I imagine in the tattoo studio, cross contamination happens if you touch something that's not been sterilized. So are you constantly removing gloves? Is that another thing? Because yeah. I, I see people wearing oh, gloves yeah. and they forget to take them off. You know, it's like they've uh, yeah. got the gloves on. <laughs> they don't understand that. Perhaps you need to change right. your gloves it's, every it's, once in a while. It's, yeah, it's interesting to people are doing what they're supposed to be doing, but they're kind of not as well. So that's we're doing, we're yeah, doing what we know how to do, but we know how to do it the right way. And a lot of people don't. Yeah, it's it's frustrating, honestly, like watching people who have the masks on, you know, only like part of the time and then they're touching their mask and then like going through the produce aisle and like rummaging through the oranges or whatever. And it's like, oh, no. What are you doing? Like, that's not how this works. So, yeah, I mean, for for us, it's constant. Like, you take your gloves off. You wash your hands all the time. Yeah, it's just, it's constantly in the back of your mind. And it does definitely become second nature. That's good to know. Have you seen anybody with a mask with a hole poked in it for the cigarette yet? Have you seen that one? Oh, no. Jesus. I have not. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, I've seen that. Oh so, um, okay. So when uh, we talk about, so <laughs> okay. it sounds like you guys are totally prepared for uh, bloodborne pathogens to increase your level of precautions before you can start giving tattoos again. I imagine it will be face shields or masks. Can you mm-hmm. see having to Both. give a tattoo with those on? Would you? Is that going to interfere with your process <laughs> at all? It'll be different. Um, I've I've been thinking about it a lot, especially with the idea of the face shield and the mask and this, you know, kind of cumbersome 
contraption, which will be awkward, but again, totally necessary. And I think that in a weird way, it may cut down on kind of the intimacy of getting tattooed. It is an intimate process and it's something where conversation, um, being able Mm -hmm. to communicate clearly with your client, those things are really important. And I'm just wondering how much of a hindrance kind of a personal protective equipment is going to be with that. And again, obviously a necessary hindrance, but I'm just curious to see how that influences all of this. And it's a little intimidating, like clients before all of this sometimes were intimidated coming in because we do have such like a hospital-like environment because obviously getting tattooed is kind of a little scary for some. But then here I'm going to be in like, or Danielle, you know what I mean, or any of us um, (laughs) are going to be with like this big, like weird face shield and the gloves and, you know, and most likely, you know, we're full personal protective equipment, like the big plastic arm things, like it's just going to look a lot more intimidating and daunting on, on top of it all. Um, So, so that kind of is stuck in my mind right now. Um, And just honestly being able to communicate clearly with people when you're both wearing masks and for us, you know, we've got um, the, oh God, the KN95 masks on the way, which I haven't used at home just because I'm on lockdown and I haven't had to. Um, So I'm really curious to see what those feel like and how talking through those is going to be. So yeah, those those are my thoughts. Danielle, please please regale me with 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 yours on this because we haven't even really talked about this much. No, we haven't. But I mean, I, I'm definitely on the same page, and I don't want to prophetize, prophesize. <laughs> no, the right <laughs> word, but I I do feel like it's going to be a hindrance. I am yeah. really having a hard time wrapping my head around tattooing someone under those circumstances. To be honest, yeah. When you're talking with somebody and can't see their face, mm, I don't know. Right? No, seriously. That's why normally like talking on the phone, like we're doing right now, is really nerve wracking and weird. Like just because you don't have that body language, you don't have, you know, where you can read facial expressions. Would you, would you say some of those, uh, those facial expressions may be pain based? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I would say so. Yeah. I mean, everyone expresses themselves differently, but there's a variety of cues for when you know someone's, you know, having some kind of reaction, whether it's pain or emotional or whatever it is. Our work is so intimate. It's really all about that. It's about being with the person. Yeah. yeah. Well, both of you do very intricate and beautiful work, the stuff I've seen. So mm-hmm. uh, some of those sessions must take for. Ever. I can't imagine how long it must be in the chair for some of that. Uh, the comfort level for you and your client, uh, that's going to be a little strange, too, if you have these shields on. Yeah. Again, I'm, I'm only, I think yesterday when Carrie and I spoke for the first time in a little while, I just started to kind of try and wrap my brain around it. So um, I'm not there. Would you think that there are other <laughs> precautions that you might be asking your clients uh, to perhaps taking their cl- your client's temperature or asking that they're freshly showered or that they haven't come um, 
from some protest in Augusta. Is there anything like that you can envision? Before we decided to ultimately close the doors at the shop, we did have a pretty definite protocol in place anyway, where when clients came in, it was just the client. They didn't, you know, have an entourage with them um, and immediately, you know, go to the sink, wash your hands. There are alcohol, sterile alcohol weights on the counter. Grab one, wipe down your phone. Basically sit, wait for your appointment, try not to touch anything, <laughs> um, and then have them come over and do the tattoo. And, and that was kind of that. From what I've personally been seeing, um, there are questions about taking temperatures beforehand just because people who are asymptomatic carriers aren't going to be showing, you know, uh, a fever. So it's just kind of unnecessary. Mm -hmm. And to me, it also heightens the risk of contamination because there's a thermometer and somebody's mouth involved. Like, I I don't even want that in my shop. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, 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 no. And I think at this point, most people are using common sense. And if they don't feel well or if they have had exposure They're not going to be like, wow, fuck it. I just feel like getting a tattoo today. I'm just going to go anyway. (laughs) Like, I, yeah, I I just don't see that happening. So, yeah, that's that's my take on it. Well, what's going to make you feel comfortable about restarting your business and giving tattoos? Are there metrics you're looking for, or is it just the thumbs up from the state? At this point, I'm, uh, again, I'm not even, you know, able to imagine tattooing with a mask on. So I'm going to have to sit with that for a little bit longer, obviously. Um, I think that when we do go back to work, we'll have to, you know, have those things in place. And we'll have to be confident that that's going to work for us. I'm going to use my, I'm going to use my gut like I do with so many other things. Um, I That's how we, <laughs> it's funny to say, but that's, we started the shop with, not only an aesthetic in mind, but a, a, a way of going about our business with feelings and our hearts kind of leading the way. And I don't want to yeah. get too woo-woo, but I'm not cheating. No, you're getting, you're, getting, you're getting way woo-woo. I've noticed that uh, on your website, there's mention of sometimes, obviously, this is pre-pandemic, that you're booked for a couple months ahead of time. So your aesthetic and your philosophy seems to be treating you guys well. What are your thoughts about recovering financially from the pandemic? I know we're going to be okay. Um, At this point, you know, um, we're still getting requests for future appointments. Um, We have really incredible clients. I know both of us have been approached just either with well wishes and, you know, texts or emails expressing concern to, hey, can I buy a gift certificate? Or, you know, are you selling artwork? What can we do? And that's been really amazing. Um, And I think that that kind of support will definitely help see us through this. And then, you know, really, when it comes down to it, we've been closed since, I would say, like, what, early mid-March? And that's a lot of rescheduling, like, a lot. And luckily, everyone still seems on board for rescheduling and coming back in to get tattooed, which should hopefully carry us through the summer. And, you know, we'll just kind of have to see how things go from there. Um, And honestly, in my mind, like, 
I, I understand, yes, like we have a business and obvi- obviously um, I would like it to survive and thrive. But the biggest thing is like money is not going to matter if you're dead. It's, it's really not. So I'm, I'm definitely more concerned with getting through this and getting our community through this um, and being able to come out the other side. And I'm just I'm confident we're going to be able to, you know, move forward no matter what. Have you heard yeah, from other have. tattoo artists? Are, are there some that are chomping at the bit, ready to open, you know, like tomorrow if they could? I've heard rumors of of a, a lot of people chomping at the bit, but I don't know of anyone in particular uh, personally who is who feels that way. How about you, Carrie? There's outcry um, mm-hmm. to, you know, be able to open before the the deadline of July, maybe August, who knows? But I don't think that anyone's looking to open their doors tomorrow. Um, You know, like we've all been talking about, there's a certain amount of preparedness and protocol and all of that um, that I I think we're all looking for in order to reopen safely. But people do want to get back to work. It's scary, especially where none of us have had the financial assistance to, to be perfectly blunt, you know, um, I think unemployment benefits are just opening up for um, sole proprietors tomorrow over, over what, almost two months now without anything. And even with that, like, honestly, a lot of us obviously make more than <laughs> more than that. And we're used to making more than that to, you know, take care of ourselves. Or, you know, if you're someone with a family, um, I can't even imagine that. You know, I've got Mm -hmm. a a cat I take care of, like mm, having a family with this must be especially frightening. Um, So I get it. But I I think, again, the the main focus is reopening safely and also not being lumped in with bars and massage parlors. But, you know, parlors, that's the 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 word that gets me. I'm sorry. (laughs) It irks me. I'm about to interview a Portland area barber who actually had a, what he called a haircutting speakeasy where he cut some hair in a garage over the weekend. Have people been asking you for illegal tattoos during this pandemic? Oh, oh, Danielle, please do tell. Uh, No, I mean, I, I just, I did have somebody ask me if I would be willing. Um, uh, And I said I cannot do I cannot do a tattoo from six feet away, so <laughs> I will politely decline. Did Did they offer you like ten kajillion dollars? I wouldn't even do it for ten bajillion kajillion dollars. Well, uh, that's good to know. One final question here: We joke about uh, uh, we, or the term ink therapy, uh, and I said that yeah. Janet Mills should get some ink therapy. Uh, you have regular yeah. customers, who clients who come in. Are there people that are missing that? Do you feel? Yeah, I definitely yeah. think oh, so. Yeah. I, I think especially yeah. given what's going on, I mean, this is kind of intense. Um, and there's a reason why people get tattoos. It's, it's um, sometimes it's purely aesthetics, but um, oftentimes it has a root. You know, some sort of emotional reaction to something um, that is uh, makes the person feel the need to market in some way very common even if they're not conscious of it so yeah Carrie, what do you think i absolutely agree and 
it's a it's a nice little affirmation like you're alive like mm. ouch okay yep still here cool so yeah I definitely think that people uh, even like you said on on a subconscious level are feeling that right now um so I guess that's good for us people are planning and thinking more where they're sitting around have nothing else to do what their next yeah. ink is yes that would be mm-hmm. good for you guys thank you very much for your time today some very good points uh danielle and carrie owners of black hen studio in south portland and we'll be right back are very sobering each year about 8700 healthcare workers are infected with hepatitis b and each year about 200 of them die from it. Hepatitis B and AIDS are called bloodborne diseases because the organisms that cause them are carried in blood. Bloodborne pathogens pose a special threat to healthcare workers and to other people who come in contact with blood and certain body fluids while doing their jobs. Hepatitis B affects the liver. It is a very serious disease and is the greatest infectious bloodborne hazard for healthcare workers. For some, Hepatitis B often causes chronic, lifelong medical problems. In the worst case, the disease is fatal, and there is no cure. But there is a safe, effective vaccine against Hepatitis B. Your employer is required to provide it at no cost to you. All occupationally exposed workers should be vaccinated. Defend yourself from Hepatitis B and avoid pain and illness. Thanks to Carrie and Danielle of Black Hen Studio for their insight. I'm glad that their clients have been supportive of them during this period of uncertainty. I'd recommend their services, but I betcha they're gonna be busy for quite a while when this pandemic is over. Kind of crazy to see how a virus has upended the status quo in all sorts of jobs and industries, really all modern activities, almost across the board. Never would have imagined that tattoo artists would be wearing masks and face shields while tattooing. Also never would have imagined that barbers would have to wear protective gear when they give their clients a trim, but that's the new rule in Maine, at least during this pandemic state of emergency. Barbers and hairstylists are just part of the so-called stage one class. Other businesses that are allowed to open include pet groomers, drive-in movie theaters, and with some restrictions, golf courses and frisbee golf courses can open. So can auto dealerships and car washes and limited drive-in, stay-in-your-vehicle religious services are also allowed, whatever that means. We were about to be joined by a Portland area barber, a guy we were going to be calling Peter, which is not his real name, but at the very last minute he was forced to cancel because he is scrambling to figure out what's next. That's live radio, folks. So he had to cancel because he is suddenly super busy. Uh, Just a couple hours ago, late this afternoon, the state finally released the checklist for Stage 1 businesses reopening. And in order for barber shops to reopen, there's a lot of stuff that has to be done. A lot of gear that needs to be acquired, uh, basically 
uh, a seemingly unlimited supply of disposable gloves, plus uh, masks, face shields, a clean smock for each hair cutting appointment is going to be required, and clean capes for each client. Apparently, there are disposable capes, but some salons use cloth ones that will need to be laundered. But each uh, hair cutter, you know, barber or stylist, uh, they're going to need to wear a clean smock with each client. So that seems like that's going to be a challenge. If face shields aren't available, barbers can use goggles or eyeglasses. And social distancing rules, of course, are to be followed when possible. And only people getting their hair cut would be allowed in the establishment. And some serious cleaning and sterilizing, akin to what the black hen tattoo artist described, is also required. And get this, at the time of booking the appointment, either online or via phone, and when the client enters the shop just before they uh, get their hair cut, actually before they enter the shop, these questions have to be asked. And these questions are written by the state. So, quote, have you had a cough or sore throat? Have you had a fever or do you feel feverish? Do you have a shortness of breath? Do you have a loss of taste or smell? Have you been around anyone exhibiting these symptoms within the past 15 days? Are you living with anyone who is sick or quarantined? And the final question is, have you been out of state in the last 14 days? Also, the state's checklist calls for, quote, the removal of all the reading materials, including newspapers and magazines, and no food or beverage will be allowed in haircutting establishments. So the scene is going to change, I imagine, in Maine's barber shops. Now, instead of getting a magazine, or in some cases, a cocktail, the client will get a face mask. Apparently, in order to open, all Stage 1 businesses have to comply with the applicable rules for their chosen profession. And then they go online, of course, and fill out a form attesting to their compliance. And then the state will be issuing a so-called badge, and the businesses can, if they choose, display the badge in the window. I'm a little disappointed that we won't be hearing from Peter the Barber tonight, but we'll reschedule, hopefully. I gave him a pseudonym, by the way, which is unusual when you interview a barber, I know, because he had an interesting experience last weekend in Portland. Apparently, he participated in a hair-cutting speakeasy in someone's garage. He cut six heads of hair, six men, I understand, including one Coast Guardsman. Peter said it felt like a barber shop. Guys just sitting around chewing the fat. I want to speak to Peter because I'm curious to know what it felt like to be taking a risk over cutting hair or someone getting a haircut. After all, he could have gotten in trouble, I guess, with the police if the cops had discovered what was going on. Or perhaps, even more worrisome, someone might have gotten sick Maybe he would even have gotten in trouble with the licensing board. Anyways, we hope to have him on next week to talk about being a barber during a pandemic. If you want to read the entire state's plan to reopen, uh, go to the website maine.gov backslash COVID-19 backslash restarting Maine. That's one word at the end there, restarting Maine. 
There's all sorts of information there, including links to the checklist for the various businesses that are going to try to reopen. The rules for pet grooming, I noticed the uh, pet groomers checklist is not as complicated as the barber's checklist. Still no grooming allowed inside a client's home. Not allowed. Grooming service may be provided only in mobile units, salons, or stores with the curbside drop-off of pets. And as for the golf courses and uh, disc golf courses, I'm actually scrolling down the checklist right now. Employees and customers will have to wear face coverings when indoors or unable to maintain physical distancing. There will be lots of cleanup. The entire clubhouse is shut down, including the pro shops, restaurants, and driving range. No food or drink service. So golf courses are only for golf now, and people will only be able to play golf in the county that they live in. The state is also requiring that out-of-state golfers not play on main golf courses until the executive order requiring a 14-day quarantine for out-of-state visitors is lifted by the state. It seems like some pretty straightforward stuff, uh, except for there are some very specific things to golfing. Uh, for instance, only one golfer per cart. That's the new policy. Usually there's two golfers per cart. All touchable surfaces are removed. And that means, according to the state, flag sticks, bunker rakes, water coolers, ball washers. These are all things that are very standard on a golf course. For instance, the flag, uh, I don't know how that's going to work. How you're going to be able to see the cup from a great distance. And also the bunker rakes. Those are the rakes that you use to clean up the sand traps after you uh, attempt to get your ball out of the sand traps. Usually the sand trap needs to be raked afterwards. Water coolers, same thing. I guess golfers will have to bring their own water. And ball washers are also removed. You've seen those before. You put the ball in it. It has brushes. go up and down. Cleans the ball off. No more ball washers at Maine's golf courses. And the staff is required to sanitize golf carts after each round. And you have to leave the course immediately after playing. So there's going to be some changes in golf. Let's see how the golf courses recover because that's what I heard a lot of people complaining about. It'll be interesting, to say the least, to see how this gradual reopening goes economically and pandemically. So again, we hope to interview Peter the Barber next week. We want to hear your pandemic stories. Email me at crash at crashberry.com. Are you reopening a stage one business? Let me know. Are you an employee of a stage one business? How do you feel about going back to work? Or are you an essential worker with a COVID-19 tail? We want to hear it. We're also taking tips on helpers, heroes, and bad actors trying to wreak havoc during the trials and tribulations of 2020. The email is crash at crashberry.com. Next week on Open Ears, Maine, We'll be speaking to various unemployed Mainers to see how the system is treating them. Also, a conversation with a school teacher about pandemic education 
and an interview with a schooner captain to learn if the state's iconic schooner fleet can weather the COVID-19 storm. That's Tuesday and Thursday from 7 until 8 p.m. Or you could subscribe wherever you download. Thanks for listening. Thank you.